How you hey, doing? Hey, dude. Well, it's, it's going. I'm still alive, at least. It's Monday. It's the uh, first time we've ever recorded on a Monday. Yeah, that's true. Um, for most of you who probably don't know, um, this is all because of, of me this week uh, and some crazy medical stuff that I do with over the weekend. So, uh, you know, I'm sorry for the lateness of this episode, but uh, we're back in the saddle again, and uh, let's see where we can go from here. I think that actually the timing worked out pretty well. Um, number one, because I would have felt weird um, recording yesterday, considering the events that happened in Orlando. Sure. And then uh, today was the Apple keynote, so that gives us a few things to talk about. So I think it works out just fine. Okay, that works. And if people disagree with us, then they just won't listen, so it won't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's part of me that, that keeps forgetting that that we do this mostly for us, um, and I have to continually remind myself of that despite the feedback that we get from people. Um, you know, I played in um, a golf tournament this weekend with uh, Drew Roulette, who uh, is, for anyone who doesn't know, um, you know, the designer of our logo, um, and he says he listens to the podcast religiously um, and gave me, you know, it's very weird to hear um, especially from someone I respect as much as Drew, um, very weird to hear uh, feedback from him concerning the podcast. It's actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's always interesting when you find out actually who's listening. I mean, we see numbers, but it's not like there's a list of names. It's like this is person listening, this person's listening. Um, and it, I think the the experience that I've learned from doing things previously is it's I'd say eighty percent of the people that um, support you when you do things like that are surprises. Where you're like, oh wow, really? Cool. Sure, sure. You know, and then and then the people that you kind of would expect to listen or something like that, maybe just don't find the time. And that's, I mean, that's normal. It's not a criticism, but it's always it's it's kind of fun and exciting to find out when somebody tells you, I, I listen. Oh, really? Yeah. Plus, I think it's more of a it's more of a true measure of who is not necessarily friends with you, but who, who is more connected with you in a certain kind of way. Like, you know, I don't talk to Drew all that much. Um, you know, he and I are friends, of course, and we have a good time when we're, we're hanging out together and stuff like that. But it's never really been, you know, uh, something where we hang out every day or we're intensely close or anything like that. Um, but, you know, he really did resonate quite well with the, the podcast and he found a lot of the things that we talked about, especially our non-tech stuff, strangely, um, to be you know, really interesting. You know, he, he liked where we were going with a lot of that stuff and he liked our analysis um, because we're not necessarily book nerds per se. Um, I hate using terms like that, but <laughs> we're we're not your traditional um, uh, academic, but we do know a lot about the things that we like. Um, and some of those things just happen to be academic or scholastic in nature. So I think it's really interesting to hear feedback on stuff like that. Yeah, I'd say that we're just nerds that are rough around the edges <laughs> uh, that's a great way of putting it i don't know i never thought of that that's 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 perfect uh i think that that's one of the interesting things is that this whole process has brought out is just seeing how this show develops and you know sometimes like i think uh it, it was last week's episode we we talked mostly about literature yeah and, and then the two before that we focused mostly on technology and we've gone other directions. Comic books for a while were something we were talking about a lot too. Comic book movies, sure. And I think for a while there was a part of me that was worried, like, oh, are we, you know, are we fragmenting our audience? But I think in the long run, when people find this show and they find the variety of the things that we do, there's other people out there who are interested in that similar variety of different things. Sure. And 
when you do anything like this, it's a matter of finding your audience. And I think that that's one of the things that marketing, uh, all these marketing articles, these marketing BS gurus um, don't explain to people. It's not about finding an audience. It's about finding your audience. Because you have to do what's true to you. And people who resonate with that will come and will follow and those who don't won't and you you can't regret that you're not you're not gonna be beyonce you know you're not gonna resonate with the majority of of the modernized world is a better word is a better way to say it um and that's okay because you're not a pop star we're not pop stars lamb i i hate to break it to us (laughs) (laughs) we missed the backstreet train you know, I, I think that the one thing that I think has come through most to me in this podcast or the process of doing this podcast is the more important it becomes to us as individuals, um, you know, the more the more it becomes sincere to us and the more that, that sincerity comes across in what we talk about and how we talk about it. You know, like the, the one thing that, you know, really it, it, it physically irked me this weekend beyond being physically irked from the medical stuff um, to not be able to do the podcast when we had wanted to do it because I, I, I just felt so physically horrible, had to go to the doctor, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and there was a palpable sense of loss for me when it came to not being able to talk about these things or, or go through some of these things with you. You know, So I definitely feel like our audience in a lot of strange ways is the same. Um, like, you know, the common thread among the people um, that I've gotten feedback from is that they're all very genuine people. And so I think because the podcast, at least for you and I, at least for me, I don't know, I don't know if it's as much for you, um, but it feels very sincere to me. It feels, you know, like we have a lot of honesty on the show. Um, you know, the things that we talk about when it comes to our own personal demons or our own personal struggles, um, as well as the things that we're doing to overcome them. So I think that there's a real sense of sincerity that I think certain people gravitate towards um, that really comes through in how you and I are in this podcast. You know, that we're, not, we're not caricatures of who we are. We're not the, the, the perfect, polished, and, and proven versions of ourselves that we show to the world. We're just the versions of ourselves that are slowly but truly carving our way into a world that we feel best fits us as people, you know? I absolutely agree. And I think that one of the things that I really appreciate about how this show has developed is we haven't strove or striven, striven, strove. We haven't tried to become perfection Um, in the sense that every once in a while, you and I will say something that's not factually true, (laughs) not on purpose, but just because, you know, you're in the heat of a conversation, you're being taped. There's no time to like sit and like, hold on, give me three minutes to remember the correct name. Like me saying, confusing Zack Snyder and whatever that other guy's name is, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or, you know, uh, times where we, maybe we've attributed the wrong quote to the wrong person. And that's fine. I don't have problems with those because I think that it's, should be clear that this is a conversation. This is not a rehearsed, scripted show. And as a matter of fact, because I feel that more and more as we do this and it, um, the genuineness resonates with me, I've, I, this week I'm not even doing it in front of any screen. I, all I have in front of me is a piece of paper. Um, I'm not going to look at anything. I'm not going to try to remember what I wanted to talk about. I have on the piece of paper a couple of notes that I took during the keynote. If we get around to those, we get around to them. We don't. We don't. But I, I love the organic nature of the show. When it's when it's the most organic, it feels the best to me. Yeah, and I feel like the last couple of times um, that we've done the show, because it's been so 
because our schedules are so frantic and there's so much stuff going on in, in our respective lives, whether it's, you know, directly with us or whether it's, you know, us helping people move, for example, um, or the, the, the trials and tribulations that come along with just trying to survive in the Bay Area. I think we don't have time to be insincere um, and we just don't have the energy for facades anymore. <laughs> right. And so I, I think in a lot of ways that we, we, we've shed these, these long built skins because the skins have just become so exhausting. It's it's kind of fun when you when you think about in a year, in two years, three years, or whatever, we can look back at these, and and it's not going to be uh, like oh we could have done this better, we could have done that better. When we look back at these, it's going to be more like an archive of our lives, sure. in the sense that we're touching on things that are very personal to us, even if they're not personal, personal of nature. Sure. Um, and I think that you have the same experience I have is one of the most interesting things for me is when we're done with this and I listen to the recording yeah. because half the times you and I have talked about it in text message before, half the times we sound far more intelligent than we thought we would. <laughs> yeah, there there are times where I, I, I believe my, I, I just think I sound like a total goober. But, you know, to go back on the, the point that you just, just hit on a second ago, you know, I, I think I think I've become... I used to be really apologetic about my errors when it comes to the show. Remember, we used to have a, a section at the beginning of the show where we used to, you know, go through and and do corrections and apologies and all that kind of stuff. Like yep. we stopped doing that after three episodes, just because I just I don't care. You don't fact check during a conversation at a bar. You know, you don't you don't take a walk with someone in the woods and and Google someone's name that you forget. You try to remember it, and you might remember it wrong. And if you can't remember it, you move on. <laughs> and I think that's the progression of our conversations, and that's what I really like about them. And I think that. What we both also learned in the long run is nobody else cared either. Yeah, it's true. I wasn't getting any messages from people telling me, dude, you said the wrong name. Now, granted, our audience isn't in the millions. When you when you reach the millions, I'm sure that you get those. But then you don't have time to look at all of them. So sure. we're safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I, I'm going to look back at this on two and, in two and a half years and, and realize that for almost four months of your life, you didn't know the difference between Brian Singer and Zack Snyder. I still find that to be hilarious. I still can't tell you the difference between the two of them right now. <laughs> Except for one of them made uh, Usual Suspects. Yep, that is Mr. Brian Singer. I, I, the only reason I remember Brian Singer to, with the level of clarity that I do, to be honest with you, is because of The Usual Suspects and because of how, how brilliant I thought that movie was and how low budget it was um, for, for the time, too, as well. I actually need to watch that again. I haven't seen it probably since it came out. Really? Wow. Huh. I've yeah. seen that, I must have seen that movie about five or six times by now. You know, I could be wrong, but I don't feel like it doesn't feel like something that I've gone back to. And it's not out of dislike. I remember really liking that movie. It's just when you really think about the pile of stuff that you could continually watch, you could easily never go back and see the same thing again and never watch a boring film. Sure. But I think, um, yeah, guy, you said this three weeks ago to me, um, and I think it really stuck with me in a way that I, I didn't quite realize until – you know, I, I realized I was kind of digging out a lot of really old stuff. Um, I think it's really important to build time capsules um, for certain periods of your artistic life. 
um, or, or, or interest. Um, like for example, I, I, I recently kind of made a list of certain movies that I really like and that I would, I would, I could watch at any point in my life and, and still like to the degree that I did when I first watched them. And I think it's really, really important to have those, those, that list of, of, of artistic things or creative things that inspire you, or even if it's not artistic or creative, if you're not that kind of person, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's, you know, a sunset at Land's End in San Francisco, or it's the tree at Point Lobos, um, or it's a certain Radiohead song, or it's a certain movie, or whatever it may be, or even if it's walking down a certain beach with a certain person, there's something about certain um, experiences that gives you a tactile sense of inspiration. You know, it's that fluttering in the heart, it's that 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 churning of the blood, it's that desire to want to go and create, or be creative, or or do something exceptional, or do something extraordinary. And I think that having that 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 catalog of things that 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 brings that out in you is really really important. I think a lot about um there's a book called Bad Seed and it's a biography of Nick Cave. And in that book there's a section where he's talking about where they're living in New York. They've um, they're from Australia. They've come to New York after I think they had been actually I'm sorry, it's when they're in London. They're living in a flat in London. And they're living really, really impoverished. I mean, like, because this is not Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. This is mm-hmm. the birthday party, the band before. And wow. I mean, they're, they're just a punk band that's not even, maybe not even a punk band. You know, like, they they weren't really part of a movement because they were from Australia. So, like, they don't even, they've just, they've been ad- adopted by this music scene, but it's not really the music scene that they necessarily were trying to be part of. And they're sure. ta- talking about how they're living in this apartment, all of them together. And um, one of the things that they, they have two records, that's it. And they just continually play the two records. And one of them is James Chance and the Contortions, which is kind of like an avant-garde, like jazz proto-punk thing. And then the other one is metal. The second the second um, album by Public Image Limited, I think it's mm-hmm. called Metal Box. Yeah. Um, those are the only two albums that they have. And they just continually play those over and over again. And in the book, Nick Cave's trying to say that he doesn't think that those albums had an effect on their sound. But if you go and play one of those two albums and then you play The Birthday Party, it's kind of undeniable that it's in their sound. Sure. And it happened on a, a like a subcutaneous level. You know, like it just it slipped under their skin. And uh when you read Patty Smith's book, Just Kids, she's talking about a similar situation where her and Robert Maplethorpe are living impoverished in New York. And she has like four or five books, um, and they have like five or six albums. And both of those things are just so appealing in the sense because it's exactly what you're saying. It's like opening a shoebox or a time capsule is what sparked it all for me it's just opening it up and going here's my stuff mm-hmm. it takes all the choice out of all of that you know it's like the in and out burger thing you know you got three burgers pick one <laughs> so you're pulling stuff out but then you're you're getting so in depth with those few things mm-hmm. that you're probably getting more than the people that are getting variety and sure. and i remember you know like i'm sure you remember prior to the big boom of the internet that's how we all existed. I had, you know, whatever, 10, 15 albums maybe. And I would just continually listen to those over and over again. And then you got really excited that once or twice a year when you got to get a new one. 
Yeah. Because it was it was welcoming something else into the pantheon. And they weren't always the best albums, but they were the albums you had. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh like I remember one of the CDs that I had my first like 15 or 10 or 15 CDs was um Throwing Copper by Live. Wow. That's old. I I actually remember loving that album too. Go ahead. It's not a. It's, I mean, it's not an album that are people going to say you know that should be on the Rolling Stone top one hundred albums of all time, but it's a good album and it's 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 made by a band that was in love with R.E.M. Um, but I listen to that album all the time. Why? Because it's one of the ones I had, and I'm sure in some way there's an undeniable influence of that in any time I make music, in some sub, some subconscious level. And what if I still just listen to those 15 albums? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Sure. And there are certain, beyond the, the albums themselves, um, I remember The Benz, for example, which is the, the, the album that basically did it for me when it came to Radiohead. I probably owned maybe five or six copies of that CD because I used to just wear them out. Like I used to just absolutely destroy them, you know? Um, and I mean, even when it comes to, to certain, like I remember live as a band, for example, like I didn't, I don't think about live much, but there's a particular live song that isn't really one of their big songs, but I just always, I just always love that song. Um, Lakini's Juice. Do you remember that song? Oh yeah. That was the name of the album too, right? Was it? I don't remember. But for some odd reason, that song was always one of those songs that the first time I heard it, it just kind of hit me and it became a song that just permanently stayed in my head. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it, it's funny because um, I know that you have this recent thing about rediscovering time um, and kind of rediscovering what time is to you. But for me, I think with the artistic things, I think it removes the sense of time and more places me in a certain spot in my brain, um, like a, a certain evolution of consciousness or a certain, you know, um, a certain evolution of my artistic desire or create or creative uh, creative inspiration. And I think that that's what ultimately ties me back to those particular pieces. Right. And that's the, I mean, I think that's the importance of surrounding yourself with just those things. But I mean, I think that's why I've been obsessed with these tiny house shows recently, because I see people living in these tiny houses. And, and, and what I'm thinking, number one, I'm watching because I'm going, that's a really cool little way to pull a desk out of a wall that wasn't there before <laughs> or something like that, you know, because I'm thinking of like just neat things like that. But also there's part of me that's going, these people are living in sometimes 200 square feet they've gotten rid of all of the extraneous stuff Mm -hmm. so all the stuff that they have in that house that's the stuff that we're talking about right now like when they if they have a record player and they bust out albums they don't have shelves full of records Mm -hmm. they've got 15 albums and those are the ones they love they're like hey we're gonna listen to blonde on blonde again today because well it's blonde on blonde yeah true I don't. I, I hope. I hope that's the trend of the future, that all of us move towards that more because I think as it, it enriches our souls more. Do you think it's inherently possible with where with where media and access is now to even uh, to even dream that 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 type of existence is possible artistically? Absolutely. I actually yeah. I think I think the more uh, the more bloated and the more access that we get, that the more focused and the more narrow someone's art gets, the more valuable it is. True. Because that makes it unique. When you have access to everything, you sound and you you become like everything. So you're not different. You're you're just another snowflake. Sure. What uh, what was the? You're a space monkey. Fight Club. 
We're oh, not, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not special and unique snowflakes. The mm-hmm. if you have if you're listening to the same thing as everybody else, guess what? You're not special. And I don't mean as a person. I mean as a uh, as artistic influence. You're you're not pulling anything different. Well, there, there's something to be said for for the collection too, as well. I mean, e- each individual piece, for example, may not be particularly special, but as a collection, it might make you unique if you have certain things in there that just resonate with you for for reasons that are beyond, you know, um, them them just being popular uh, or being trendy. You know, like there there are certain pieces of music that I think most people would probably hate that I actually really really like. Right. Uh, you know, and I think that that's that's kind of important to maintain for yourself too. Is that it, it builds in a sense of honesty and originality that that makes you unique to yourself. Even if it's you know, so I can listen to Katy Perry for example, and there are a few songs of hers that I like, but I also like Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. You know what I mean? So there's there's the the, the as long as as long as it it hits you in a certain way, and as long as you like it because it's something that you genuinely like, and not because other people like it or other people tell you you should like it. You know, I think that's why I've always loved record collections. Because when you go over to somebody's record collection, it's different than CDs where it's different than tapes where it's different than uh, MP3s are. It's different than streaming. Because for some reason, people make very – obviously, this is not everybody. But it seems that people tend to make more unique choices with records. Sure. And you go over and there's a quirkiness to a record collection. Like you might go over to somebody's house and – Going through there, it's like Metallica, Metallica, the Carpenters, and Mariah Carey, <laughs> Juice Newton, and you're like, whoa! But that's awesome because they bought that record maybe because it was four bucks. But hey, they're going to probably listen to that more than they would any of those other things because a, a record, a record's a more active relationship with music because you have to flip it over every half hour. Sure. You you can't just let it play and pretend that you're not listening to music. It makes you stand up every half hour. I I, I feel the same way about I think that's probably the reason I have um issues with getting rid of DVDs. Because I, I'm hoping that maybe one day I'll just bail on Hulu and Netflix and HBO and everything and just start watching the DVDs that I have over and over again. Oh, uh, gotcha. I you don't think funny. I will, but I used to have this exercise um, that I used to do. God, I did it for a really long time too. I think I did it all the way up until like maybe 2010, 2011. Is once every month or two, I used to create a playlist that would fit on a, a CD. So, it was, you know, at the time it was like 16 songs. Uh, you know, this is before we were using, or at least before I was using uh, MP3 CDs um, or iPods in my car, I would just listen to a CD. And what I'd do is I would create a playlist. Um, that encapsulated who I was at that given time, you know, the songs that kind of jazzed me at the the, the, the time. Um, and I wish I had kept a running a running list of those those CDs. I mean, there's some interesting choices in some of those CDs. And I think that's that's a indicative of the time that you and I grew up in. That's that's our, that's the mixtape brain. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know about you, but like every once in a while if I can find a way to play them. Sometimes I'll, I'll rediscover one of my old mixtapes and it's, I'm listening to it. And I'm like, it's like picking up a good album where you know, like all those songs in your mind, because you listen to that tape so many times they belong together. Sure. And uh, there's actually times where I will listen to an album by an artist and the song that maybe I had on a mixtape will come on. And then the next song after it comes on the song that it belongs after it, you know, the song that the artist wanted to follow it. And it feels wrong. 
because oh, really? yeah because on my mixtape it was a song by somebody else you know uh like for example i had a clash song that was followed by a david bowie song and every okay. time i hear that clash song i want to hear the bowie song i don't want to hear the next Clash song yeah i used to i i have that same experience with quite a few songs too as well um especially 80 songs um or even prior to i remember fascination do you remember fascination street by the cure of course uh, it's one of my favorite songs of all time by The Cure, but I put, um, I forget, uh, it was a Kate Bush song. I forget which Kate Bush song it is now, but I put that on, on a mixtape that I, it was one of my favorite mixtapes of all time. And so now whenever I hear Fashion, Fascination Street and it starts to get to the end, I, I just hear Kate Bush starting to wail in my head um, because I kind of did a bad job at recording the mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> so there's kind of a bleed over for like half a second between the two songs. So I, I, you know, and that's the other thing that I think is really interesting about the mixtape generation too, at least for, for me is that, you know, every mixtape you made for yourself or for somebody else was weirdly idiosyncratic in its own way. Um, even if it's the exact same mixtape, if you're duplicating it, it has such weird little, you know, niches and knobs and, and funky little things that are created specific to that tape that can never, ever be duplicated ever again. And I think there was a real sense of, 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 of quality to that, a, a sense of, of, of sincerity to that that was really unique and that got somehow lost in the translation between, you know, the digital era and the analog era. Right. Do you remember getting near the end of the tape and going, oh, what am I going to fit here? You, you got to <laughs> yeah. find a song that's the right amount of space. Yeah, you, you have three minutes and 42 seconds left, and you got to find something that fits. <laughs> like, what's going to work there? This isn't really the song that I necessarily wanted here, but it's close, and I'll deal with it. Uh, by the way, I'm going to guess the Kate Bush song was Hounds of Love. Ah, it was Hounds of Love. I win. Nice. That's 50 points. Well played. You know, it's funny. I made a mixtape for, for an ex-girlfriend from way back. And for the last 47 seconds, because I couldn't find anything to fit it, I just made noise. I just went blah, 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 blah for like 45 seconds. I used to, I remember I used to write down in like little spiral notebooks, I would write down really short songs that you could use as like little fillers, you know, because sometimes would make some people would make like a 40 second interlude song and you're like, mm, I should probably remember that one. Yeah, like there was a couple of REM ones. Uh, like there's a New Orleans music one that I think's on Drive. That one, that one was really useful to uh, leverage something into the right space. Sure, uh, March of the Pigs by Nine Inch Nails was that for me. It was a it was a buck fifty eight and fit in all kinds of little spaces all over the place. And I think that that was a beauty of the beauty of mixtapes that I don't think for the most part that um, streaming playlists and all of that capture is number one the limits. Like you had mentioned, it was a limited time. Um, a playlist, is, it's awesome because you can make it as long as you want and put every disco song that was ever made if you want to make a disco playlist. But that's not that's, – that's using it as a shortcut. It's a, it's a different purpose. For a lot of people, playlists are shortcuts. Sure. I, I can put this on and it will achieve this emotion for me. Um, but a mixtape wasn't that. A mixtape was like exactly what you said as a time capsule. These are the songs I'm digging right now, and some of them probably don't fit together. Yes, I just put Tori Amos next to South of Heaven by Slayer, and I don't care. Yeah. And it, it, there's a there's a difference there in purpose, and I think that that goes into the whole thing that we're talking about here is when you have access to so many things, you start to lose touch with the meaning of those things. Sure. And if anything, I think this year is the year that I discover, rediscover 
how to get that back. You know, what can I get rid of? What can I throw to the wayside? And this totally fits into our whole workflowy thing. I'm sure there's people that have gone and checked out Workflowy and think that we are nuts. <laughs> I'm sure of that. But it reconnects me to being able to save digital notes for the first time and it still being close, um, intimate with notebooks in a way that's important. You know, and I think that's the key word in all of this is I think that that it's about importance. You know, it's about establishing an importance. And I mean, when you have a, a, a playlist of 970 songs, like how can poss- anything within that be, be, how can any of that possibly be that important to you? You know, it seems interchangeable with any number of songs that might exist in that playlist. So, you know, if you had to narrow it down to 15 songs like you did during the mixtape era or, or, or the CD era, what 15 songs would it be if you only had those 15 songs to listen to for the next three weeks while you're driving around in your car before you sit down with your computer and work on yet another mix CD or mixtape? You know what I mean? There's, there's a certain sense of priority that you have to establish um, artistically um, in order to, 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 really, to really inspire you to, to, to create something that's that definitive. And I think that there's, there's something that's very lost in that for us as a generation. Plus, it goes back to the thing that we always talk about, which is when you have 15 songs on a CD, you just listen to them over and over and over again. And if you're a good listener, you become a better listener because you hear things that you wouldn't have on the first or second listen that you might hear in the 15th listen. You know, So I think that assigning a sense of importance to it and giving these, these artistic things that we really love the care that they deserve and the care that, that, you know, that, that, that honors the care that it took to make them, then I think we really do get in tune with a different level of, of, of of inspiration and creation that 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 basically provided the tools or the fuel by which these artists that we we know and love created that piece of music that we love so much. Agreed. And I think what you and I are going to do for our listeners this week is you and I are going to make a 15 song playlist playlist each. Nice. It's, yeah, I'm I'm totally okay with that. It's just going to be a list. I'm not going to put up Spotify links. I'm not going to put up YouTube links. You guys are going to go find the songs yourselves. <laughs> because you can use whatever format you use. I am not going to do 700 formats because all of you use something different. We're going to make a list. You want to go check them out, listen to them in the order that we put them in, not listen to them in the order we put them in. I don't care. We're going to put it together because it's going to be fun for us. And then hopefully one of you will enjoy it. <laughs> I really actually think it'd be a great idea to do that for... Um you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to post my list on social media when we release the episode. But I actually think it's a good idea for us to do it once a month. It kind of forces us into the action of doing that, too. It's kind of cool. Yeah, we can do a monthly playlist. That's Yeah, that'd be great. Each, a monthly playlist each. You've yeah. got to get your website up so we can put yours on your website. I'm going to put yeah, mine on mine. Don't remind me. <laughs> uh, well, you can I piggyback mean, on mine if you need. Yeah, one way or the other, we'll figure it out. I mean, just lately, I've been so terrified oh, about wait. my health situation that I haven't done anything with it. We have a podcast website. What am I thinking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's <Wait>. that. <laughs> Random Badassery has its own blog. Yeah, so by the way, everybody, if you guys are following us individually, the Random Badassery site is is alive and well as well. Yeah, and we I put the uh, SoundCloud links on there, so you can just listen to it on the website if you want. Yeah. Um, I... And, I remember when we first started this, we were like, okay, we want to funnel people to this so that we can see how, you know, we had all these ideas. Now I'm like, listen to it wherever you want. I don't care. (laughs) You want to listen on SoundCloud? Listen on SoundCloud. You want to listen on Libsyn? Listen on Libsyn. You want to listen on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. I don't care. As long as you guys are enjoying it, I don't care where you listen to it. Yeah. I mean, it is nice if you can, though. I mean, if you are listening to this thing to go back and give us some feedback because that... 
you know, especially on the iTunes side of the world because it helps to get our, our podcast higher on the list so that more people can find it. Um, but yes. I mean, beyond that too, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like I remember at some point I really cared about subscription, subscribers and listeners and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, I kind of just fell back into the old trap. Uh, that I've been trying to purposefully avoid when it comes to anything creative, which is to not pander and to not create with the intention of of having an audience um, crafted out of that creation. You know, well, it's rough to to get caught up on the analytics, especially with something on like a podcast, because a podcast audience is a very slow growth, a very slow growth. Almost anything that you read by anybody who has a fairly successful podcast, they'll tell you that it takes a year to get anywhere near growth. Sure. And I I definitely think that we've, we've hit like a steady number and I'm fine with that. Um, Those people are coming back. So I'm happy. Yeah. And I think that it kind of forces the podcast itself to naturally evolve um, because you go from really caring to not caring much and then really, really caring and then finding a groove that that just makes sense. you know. And I think that that's kind of where we are. I think the last couple of episodes have been much more natural than, than the ones that we had started with. So I think it's headed in the right direction. And that's, um, that's a good time to say something to the listeners who are creators themselves. Something that I've figured out from doing the vlog, from doing writing online, from doing this podcast, don't get lost in all this stuff. If you're making something, don't worry about the numbers because no matter what, there's going to be a point where the numbers are going to be demoralizing. Yeah, There's, there's going to be a point where you look at the numbers and it's a kick in the groin. Uh, no matter how great what you're making is or how great you think it is, there will be a point. We've had a couple episodes of this show where I've looked at the numbers and gone, whoa, what did we do wrong? Because that's half of what we normally have. And it's just, you know, people are busy, whatever. You can't guess. But don't get caught up on the numbers. Because if you can get past that whole concept of this equates to this, you know, this number equates to what I'm doing is good. If you can get past that and you can just get into the groove like Lamb and I are in with this podcast where we make it because we're loving it, we're making it because it's regular, it's consistent for us, that's when you start making your best stuff. And it's also, that's when you have the best chance of succeeding, to be honest. Yeah, it's weird. When you when you let it go is when it comes to you. It's funny. Because there's, I mean, like, for example, with um, with the vlog, for me, for a while, it was it was frustrating because I was... It was about two and a half weeks that I was frozen on subscribers. No new subscriber. No new subscriber. And then, bink, I got one. Cool. You know, and then I was at like 97. And I'm like, oh, I'm edging my way towards 100. And then, boom, all of a sudden, I broke over 100. I didn't even notice it. Um, Trista, one of one of my subscribers who also listens to the show, she had to point it out to me in a comment. I didn't even, I didn't even notice it happen. And it did, it didn't going over the number was it's awesome, but it didn't change the way that I look at the vlog. Sure, um, because I'd already gone through that demoralized period, and I'd moved into the the space that we're talking about. And I see a lot of um, a lot of people out there doing things. This is the reason I'm bringing this up. I see a lot of people out there doing things, and they push really hard, and you know they try to do everything the right way for like two weeks. And then they just drop it. And I know that they're dropping it because it, it's it's rough. You know, it's exhausting. You're like, I, I'm doing this and nobody cares. 
Of course they don't care because they haven't heard it yet. They haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And in, in, until that point happens, people can't care because they don't know it exists. They haven't found time. I mean, like, I just had somebody text message me today, um, somebody that I know, that to tell me that they love the vlog. And they just, I mean, basically they just discovered it. I've done 115 episodes. So <laughs> it takes, it or over 115, it takes time for people to get around to things. Um, they have their own lives. You can't take that as a judgment of what you're creating, and you can't give up on it because you're not getting that response. You have to do it because it's something that you really want to do. And if you don't, if you're not willing to do it um, and have one or two viewers forever, if you're not willing to still do it because of that, don't bother. Start a business. Do something else because it means you're, you don't really love it, and it's just going to break your heart. And You've got to have tough skin and you've got to be stubborn and you've got to want to do it with a a, a vicious passion. Yeah, and I think be, beyond the vicious passion, I think something that, that really resonates with me too is just the sense of getting better. Um, and I know you're kind of fueled by this too as well, but I think for me, uh, you know, the reason why we work on microphones and puff filters and we've gotten, you know, some editing help and we've learned how to master channels and input devices and all this stuff, all for the sake of, of doing this podcast better and better. You know, we've tried multiple tools for organization. We've tried different approaches with speech patterns and, and subjects and topics and all that kind of stuff. And, and, it's about learning, you know. Ultimately, regardless of whether it's a creative pursuit or or, or a, a tangible pursuit like science or something like that, it's just all about learning. And as as long as you're doing it for the sake of acquiring the knowledge or acquiring some sense of achievement or fulfillment out of it, then that's the right reason. If you're doing it purely for validation, or if you're looking for someone to 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 to, to verify that you're doing something that that is worth that has some worth, then you're in trouble. You know, and I'm not saying that I'm immune to this. Uh, quite the opposite of that, actually. Like, I mean, even with this podcast, there are moments where I, I sit back and I go, "Why am I doing this?" You know, like, is it is it really is it really any good? You know, is it really worth the time or worth the effort? But I, I think ultimately that that's those are just the wrong questions. You know, the right questions are: Am I learning from this still? You know, am I having interest? conversations? Am I gaining new perspective? Am I learning new and incredible things about art or technology or, or even just the human mind? You know, and those are the right questions. And I think that for me, throughout the, the, the process of creating this podcast with you, I've started to learn what the right questions are. And I think now, because I have kind of an idea of what the right questions are, I will ask better questions every time. You know, I think that um, there was something recently that I saw of Jeff Bezos, the guy who um, runs Amazon and some, it was something somebody was, um, pointing out like some big flop that they had and his response, I'm going to paraphrase obviously because I don't have it memorized was something along the lines of, yep, it was a big flop and we have a whole bunch more of those planned. Sure. <laughs> and he, he knows that the same thing that all of the successful companies in the world, this is not just for artists, by the way, that w what we're talking about, but he knows something that all the successful companies in the world know. You're going to do horrible things. You're going to mess up. You're going to, because if you're not doing things that mess up, that things that people don't want every once in a while, you're not trying to do something new. Um, and that's like when I look at, you know, sometimes we, we get into a lot of like, why is this company doing this? Why is this, why is this happening here? Why, why are they doing this? They're doing it because they think it's, it's the best thing to do. That's, sure. that's the true answer. And, 
regardless of anything, they're not failing because there's at least two guys and more like two million guys and women sitting around talking about what they're doing. So they're not failing. And and like, for example, like when I was watching the keynote today, there's a lot of like it was packed. It's all software. They didn't talk about any hardware. The whole thing was software. And it was so packed that they were breezing over features. Mm-hmm. There's a point where I didn't even some of them. I'm like, I'm not even trying to understand what they just introduced. But when you look at the core of what they're doing is everything that they're doing is dialing things in. Like, oh, that feature, blah, blah, blah. Oh, isn't that nice to notice that that feature is not there anymore? Yeah, well, like there's certain things like where they they were even like, so one of the things they introduced was like when you open an app on the the watch now, the Apple Watch, it's going to open instantly. That's huge. Um, But the reason I bring that up right now is because Apple did something that I found very impressive is they didn't have a problem showing how they had failed before on the stage. So he's the guy's standing up there. I can't remember his name, and he's going, "This is what the open time for an app is like on the watch now." And you see the little spinny thing, and they literally waited. They didn't speed it up like they do in demos. Sometimes they literally let it wait the, like the good five to seven seconds that it takes for an app to open and update. Interesting. And huh. and they went, "That's what it's like now. Uh, that's you know that's the way things are now. This is the way it will be after this update." And it goes boom, and it's. It seems like it's instant. He's like seven times faster. And that importance right there is exactly what you're talking about. Is It's not about putting forth a perfect image. It's not about putting forth a perfect product. It's about trying to make something perfect eventually through learning. It's about being able to look and go, yeah, we did this. It didn't work out the way we thought. But because of that, now we're able to do this. And And anything in the world you can look at. That's the way it is from mm-hmm. from the cotton gin to the refrigerator. There was something before it. There was a way that it was done before. There was an iteration of it when it first started that didn't work well. Sure. <laughs> and But if they hadn't had that, it wouldn't be what it is now. I mean, what was the first successful automobile, right? The Model T was like yeah. the big automobile. Sure. Well, what happened to Model A through S? Anybody ever ask that question? Well, not only that, but the Model T by in and of itself was kind of a death trap. So. <laughs> yeah, so imagine what the A through S were like. Jeez, yeah, seriously. You know, it's funny. The parallel for me is I, I have I, it's it's weird how how this stuff comes up for us because I, I feel like subconsciously we both kind of unintentionally or or even consciously and intentionally steer conversations towards certain things that we want to talk about. And I remember um, I had this conversation with Crystal a few days ago um, because we're you know kind of running through some of the, the the issues that we have about being perfect for each other in the relationship and how hard it is to be that sometimes, especially given how difficult some of our circumstances, our current circumstances, have been. And I always hearken back to this old this this old thing that we had at the very beginning of our relationship, where because she's allergic to to dairy and soy, it's almost impossible to make a good chocolate chip cookie, and I, I challenge anyone out there to, to go out and try to make a good chocolate chip cookie without dairy or soy and, and see how difficult it really is to do that. Um, and I remember going through iteration after iteration after iteration, making her cookie after cookie after cookie in order to find something that, that really tasted like what a chocolate chip cookie should taste like. You know? And I think that that, this, that parallels a lot of what we're talking about is that the end result is, is 
is that you're going to evolve into the next thing. And after cookies, it became something else, for example. But it had to, it had to have those, those moments of, like the first batch I made literally tasted like sandpaper. It was the worst cookie I'd ever eaten in my life. It, 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 was, it was soft to the touch. Like you could touch it and it would crumble. But if you ate it, it tasted like you're eating sand with bits of chocolate mixed in it. It was the worst thing ever. But, you know, every iteration I did after that. So my Model T came six versions later. Um, of, you know, blood, sweat, and toil into these cookies. And eventually I came up with a version that was serviceable. It still wasn't great and I still had to perfect it after that. But it was the one that finally hit a certain mark of edibility. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like that's what we're all going for in a certain sense is just reaching that certain pinnacle of edibility in whatever project that it is so that we can then find a, 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 you know, a foundation to stand on so we can take the next step. It's like building stairs while you're trying to go up them. And I, and what's beautiful about that whole story is the thing that you probably didn't realize at the time. You were you're trying to make the perfect chocolate chip cookie without using dairy or soy as a symbol of how much you cared about her. But the true symbol of how much you cared about her is that you were willing to try six different recipes. <laughs> they weren't even recipes, man. I had to go off a recipe and then try things. And and like the first batch, for example, and I'm a I'm a decent cook um, and a decent baker, but the first batch took me almost three hours to construct, and that's before I even baked a single thing. Like I had to try formulas, taste it, try it was madness. But yeah, I mean, I I think that that you know it it, it isn't lost on me at all. Like I mean, there's there's a certain strong sense of passion that you have to have about a thing in order to you know. And in this case, it was it was Crystal. Like you know, I was really passionate about giving her something that she really really wanted because she loves cookies, but she's allergic to dairy and soy. And, and that's tragic for a person who loves cookies, you know. So I wanted with all of my – every fiber of my being to construct a cookie that she actually found to be really tasty. So, I mean, that's, that was my pursuit, you know. That is everything right there. It's the effort. And I think that that's what we're getting at. It's not just the, the why you do things. It, all those things are important. It's the effort that you put forth that measures the value of the thing. It's not the numbers. It's not if you had never hit that cookie, if you never found that cookie, the effort still would have been the most valuable thing. Because even once you found that cookie, the effort was still more valuable because you showed her something in your effort that you could never have shown her in the cookie. Sure. You, if you had nailed it the first time, it wouldn't have been a very good story. <laughs> would have been an awful story. Be like, uh, I'm allergic to dairy and soy. Um, and he made me a cookie. That was not dairy or soy, and it was good. The cat sat on the mat is not a story. The cat sat on the dog's mat is a story. Sure. Well, because it's the, I, I think where you were kind of going with that was that the trials and tribulations, you know, it's, it's not about, it, God, and, and now we're going into sports land and inspirational stuff. But I mean, it's not how many times you succeed, but it's how many times you're willing to, to get up after you fail, you know? And I think that that's, that's, that, that kind of defines the best artists in my opinion. Like, I mean, it's, you know, I, I look at, I look at artists that I know and, and care about and see how many times they've just fallen so completely flat of their goals and, and how willing they are to, to, to get up and keep on doing it. You know, it's uh, for anybody who's, who plays chess, when you learn chess, the only way you learned was when somebody kicked your butt. Yeah, and kicks it pretty hard too. Yeah, and you learn absolutely nothing in chess if you win, because you have no idea why you won. But if you lose, for some reason, the brain just works that way, guys. It's like, why did that piece come over? Why did that piece come over from over there and just decimate me? Let me. Sure. 
Now, if you go like this and you move it to a certain square, be like, oh, you won. Cool. We're not going to analyze why we won, are we? That's just a human nature. So get out there and do something awful today. <laughs> and the more, I mean, there are limits to that, of course. I mean, I feel like I did quite plenty of awful things in the last two years of my life. And I think that, that I'm, I have so many lessons to learn. And I'm so happy to have those lessons to learn. But, you know, try not to, try not to mess with people's lives too much in the process of doing that. I, 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 th- I feel like I did that a little too much. Right. But I mean, for you, I mean, with the, the, the what do you think? Because I know the vlog has been such a big part of your life over the last, you know, four months. I mean, how, how, how many, how many lessons do you think you've taken from that when it comes to, to failing? Like, I mean, have you done some that you're just absolutely, that you just absolutely hate? I have no idea. I don't, um, I've never gone back and watched them. Really? And, no. Huh. That's no. fascinating. Um, and it's not on purpose. It's just like, I've actually, I've, I've been trying to get myself to sit and watch them because I want to make playlists um, for, you know, new, new people that are finding it that are, grouped by subject so like they come in and like oh writing here's all the times i've mentioned writing so that that person who's coming can find those things um and i just haven't got around to it and it's just because it's not important to me to go back and look so i just haven't really jumped into it but i would encourage um anyone who maybe uh is just listening to this show or just has seen one of my newer vlogs which are fairly polished Go back and watch one of the first ones. Go back and listen to the first episode of this show. But go back and listen to the beginnings. And just, you can see that what we're talking about is something we're living. You can hear the imperfections. You can see how horrible we were at certain things. You can hear the bad sound quality. You can see how awful of an editor I used to be. You can see how little storyline I used to put in the vlogs. How little continuity there was. And that's a good thing. It's not embarrassing to have those things. Those things are steps. Those are progress. Those are signs. Those are those are medals of honor. You should be proud that you had the courage to do something imperfect. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be able to get to the next step. Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, we, we, we dive so much into the artistic world, but I feel like there's, there's so many parallels that we draw in the business world. You know, I watch Crystal, for example. I mean, she's building a brand new online business, and she's, she's kind of taking a... a, a you know, she's, she's, she's diving down a road that very few people have a roadmap for. And I watch her fail every day. And it's not, you know, and that's not a bad thing. Like, I mean, I watch her fail and get up, fail and get up and fail and get up until it becomes a habit just to get up. And these days, um, you know, I, I, the closest person I can think to, uh, of to this is, you know, our friend Carlos Agrillo. Um, for lack of a better way of saying it, he just doesn't, he doesn't even think about failure in that way. You know what I mean? He just continues to do things because it's just what he does. And I think that there's, there's a very fascinating thing about it. There's, a, there's such a strong lesson to be learned in, in, in the habit of failure and how to fail, how to fail correctly. You know? And I, I, I watch a person like Crystal, for example, who is so used to having successes in her life. You know, she's a smart girl and she's done a lot of really good things. But you know, this, this running her own business has taught her how to fail properly. And I remember um, in the very beginning, it used to be kind of crushing. You know, she used to, to to not take it very well. And these days, the thought of failure or success doesn't even doesn't even enter the equation. It's all about did I learn something? Did I create something that's different? Did I did I did I use my tool better? You know, did I learn my audience better? Did I pick a better product? And it's all of those questions that become part of the equation, and not 
did I fail or did I succeed? You know, like when I when it came to the damn chocolate chip cookie, for example, at first I was just like, okay, I made a pretty crappy cookie and this is horrible, so I failed. But over time, it became, okay, so this one isn't fluffy enough. What do I need to do to change it? Or this chocolate doesn't quite taste like chocolate. What do I need to do to this? Or the baking time isn't quite right, so it's a little stiff. You know, so those, it, it becomes it becomes habitual to be good at failing if you have the bravery to fail enough. And I think that that's ultimately the, 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 the sticking point for us when it comes to this is, are you brave enough to fail enough to get good at failing? And I think that that's one of the things too, is also you learned how to make a better cookie, but that's not all that you learned. Oh, sure. <laughs> you learned how to be a better cook in general. Absolutely. And I mean, there's many other things you learn, but just that alone, just the thought of how you had to work those ingredients to make the failures work is applicable to other things that you will cook in the future. Sure. And that's the same with art, with anything. And that's why I think that it does, when we talk about creative things on here and we say, go out and create something, um, I think people always assume we're talking about just art, but a business is a creation. Um, anything that you bring into the world that's a creation and it requires creativity. And that's why I think it's important, you know, like they talk about arts in school, you know, a piano and learning to play instruments and um, having art classes and dance classes for children and sports also. All those things are important, not because you're going to be an artist when you grow up or not because you're going to play baseball in college, but because the lessons that you learn doing those things are applicable to everything in your life. Sure. And just like baseball, you're going to strike out no matter how good of a baseball player you are. No matter how good of a batter you are, you are going to strike out. It's going to happen. And when you're just learning how to play baseball, that's all you're going to do. Go to a Little League game and tell me how many kids actually hit the ball. Or, or even beyond the Little League game, just look at the history of you know, Major League Baseball. And the players that are in the Hall of Fame have a betting average of around 300. And that means that one out of every three times they hit the ball. The other two times they either they either, you know, hit it for an out or and or struck out. So I mean that's 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 that encapsulates exactly what you're talking about. So even the most successful players in baseball history had a success rate of only thirty percent. And think about that if you're an artist. How would you guys feel if every three things you drew somebody liked and the other two everybody hated? <laughs> Would you be brave enough to continue doing it? And you have to, and if you can't answer yes to that, then you need to really think about your motivations because yeah. you may be doing something seeking validation. And there are people out there that are considered artists that are not artists. Yeah. They're, they're, they're craftsmen, they're creating products. Um, and this is not meant as an insult, it's just they're a different person. They're not, they may have an artistic skill, but they're not artists. Sure. And uh, an artist is is somebody that you can't stop from creating. It's it's yeah, or, it's it's who they are. Or if you look at the other side of that too, there are some people who aren't inherently creating art that are artists too. I, you know, I, I think of. I think of you know one of our interviews um, for I, I've talked about this interview before, but um, Jeremy Stoppelman from Yelp. Like I, I watch him create jazz with his company, you know, and I think that there's there's a beauty to that that um, too few people 
are willing to look at when it comes to businesses. There are some businesses out there that are built like like water, you know, that 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 flow through success and failure with such ease that it's it's almost magical to 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 behold. You know, it's just as beautiful as as listening to to a perfect concerto or or or, or staring at a beautiful painting. You know, to watch a company run well where the products it produces are fantastic and the employees are all happy and the culture is very forward thinking, it's just as magical in its own way. Yeah, look you at know? Richard Branson. Anybody tells sure. me he's not a creative, artistic person, <laughs> give me a break. That's a joke. Absolutely. He's more he's more creative and artistic than some people I know that are painters. Yeah, I mean, totally the, agree with that. I, you just look at the man and you go, "Yep," and 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 that's part of the reason that the man's so successful too is he just exudes being competent, sure, and being visionary. Or look at Elon Musk; he's an artist. The man, and, and that's somebody who is definitely not afraid to fail. That's somebody who has audacious ideas and wants to do crazy things because he wants to see if they'll work. Sure. You know, when Matt and I were doing that job for, for, for Tesla, where they were working on that massive battery facility in Reno, it's the biggest battery facility in the entire planet, um, and how ambitious of a product it was. Um, and we were, you know, we, we happened to... We had the the opportunity to listen in on a conference call that that the the guys on the project were were having with Elon Musk and how how just completely insane he was um, and not insane in in a way that's bad. I'm just saying like he just did not let limitations stop him from thinking of something. He would think of something and say, "Okay, is this possible? And if it is possible, how can we achieve this uh, with the budget that we have?" It, it just never stopped him from thinking beyond that. And I think that there's there's a creativity to that that is the, the you know an unshackled creativity that isn't mired in fear or limitation that is really really unique. And I think that there's something really beautiful to that. Whether you're building a business or or, or writing a song, you know, there's the same level of 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 just wanton fearlessness that is inherently built into such amazing creative people that fear never enters the equation and i wish that's that's a skill that you and i had when it came to promotion (laughs) i wish i wish that promoting promoting our show or for me promoting my vlog i wish that it was like a concerto to us and we were just up there because i know the logistics we post to the right places we do all the things that we're supposed to do but it's it's not magic (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I and I think some of that is because we haven't quite figured out what the magic is to us yet. You know what I mean? I think with your vlog, that's very clear, too, in the sense that you've been producing it for so long that, you know, all of the things that you do to promote have become routine to you. And I think because of that, the routine in and of itself is what's creating the lack of magic. You know, I think that that for for me, when it comes to promoting the podcast, you know, post it on Facebook, you know, tweet it out to certain people, you know, the, the standard things that you always do in social media have just become so routine that I'm not doing anything brave when it comes to promoting the show anymore. And I feel like the only way that your blog or our podcast can take the next step when it comes to, you know, listen, you know, listenership or viewership in your case is if we start getting brave. Yeah. The problem is, uh, at least for me, I, I don't have any creative juice left to get brave on those. <laughs> like literally I am, I, if, if there's, if creativity is water that flows into a cup, I am drinking the cup to the bottom every day. And that's great. That's what I want to do. But like to have time to think of something creative and to be able to just to even just incubate that creative idea, it's there's there's nothing there, and <laughs> there's no gas for that truck. 
Yeah, but I think those are the moments in which you you find out what you're really made of. You know, like I think about my health situation, for example. And part of the reason why this podcast is even late is because you know the last three days of my life have been in excruciating living hell that I can't really describe to most people. You know, um, you know, I've had more blood taken me out, taken out of me in the last forty eight hours than I have in the last five years, and so I can use that as a reason for not promoting the podcast. I can use that as an excuse for not, you know, finding you in time to put the podcast up in time. But ultimately, it's it's a choice that I made to worry about my health. And that's that's the right choice in a lot of ways. But at the same time, there's always ways, you know, there there are always ways. Like it's 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 like watching Rocky and, and seeing him go down the, the the you know the fifth time in the eleventh round and having to fight his way back off the mat and coming up, you know, after after the seven count. Um, you know, I feel like for both of us in our own ways, like you creatively you you being creatively spent and me being physically destroyed, um, it's the moment in which we get to choose whether or not we're tough enough. And, and whether or not we, we, we have the guts to, to, to keep trying, to keep fighting, and to keep wanting success despite the, 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 the easiness of failure, despite the easiness of just staying on the mat and just taking that 10 count and calling it a day, you know? Like, despite how I'm feeling and despite how much medication I'm on, we're still doing this podcast right now. You know, I, I've been at work. I, I started work at 6 o'clock this morning. You know, and 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 it took until now for us to be able to do that. I mean, you produce a vlog every single day, and you've done it for four months. You know, and and there's 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 something to be said for the dedication that it takes for both of us to do whatever respective thing it is that we're doing. But at some point, we're going to need to be tough enough to push through those things and be what we need to be in order to make the podcast just as successful as some of the other things that we've done. And I feel like at some point, both you and I will choose that and 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 push forward and whether it's you doing it first or whether it's me doing it first that sense of okay you know what we're not going down like this we're going to go out swinging and we're going to push through it one of the two of us is going to help the other person to push it forward and you know it's for me it's just like the cookie you know i could have quit after the fifth cookie because by the way the fifth cookie was the worst one um i burnt the crap out of it 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 literally tasted like a wafer of styrofoam covered in bits of ash and and dirt. It was the worst worst tasting thing I've ever had in my life. But that was the cookie that 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 forced me to choose. Am I am I just not good at this or is it all about just getting up off the mat and saying, "Okay, what did I do wrong and how if I need to start from scratch, what do I need to do to make this what it needs to be?" And I feel like in that moment I made that choice. Well, I think for me it's not a matter of being creatively empty and it's not a matter of uh needing to dig deeper. It's that I've actually reached my actual limitation. I've reached the actual end where there is no more. I've told everything possible. And it's not it's not that I'm telling myself that. It's I've already I found a limitation that I believed to be there before and I pushed past that one. And then I found another one and I pushed past that one. And I found another one and I pushed past that one. Now I'm reaching the edge of the world. There is no more to push past. There is no, there's, I mean, I'm literally doing 30 hours of work in 24 hours. You know, like I, I don't have more time. I don't have more energy. There's, these aren't things that I can add to. These aren't things that I can bolster. Sure. Because I've already bolstered them. You know, um, like if you're running, if an average runner is running at 70% speed and they finally get to the point where they can run 80 and then they run 90, eventually they're going to hit 100, and there is nothing past 100. Sure. You know, like they 
on TV they tell us, you know, 200%, 500%. It's 110%. No, none of those things exist. 100% is 100%. When, it's, when it is complete, it is complete. And I think that that's, um, I was actually, ironically, I was talking about this in the vlog today because uh, I was talking about how people burn out and that people who listen to um, podcasts and watch vlogs, there's a side that to things that people don't see. To people, for example, we'll stick with the podcast since we're, we are a podcast. It might sound like, oh, this is not the big deal. You know, you guys, you just spend, you know, an, an hour, hour and a half talking a week. That's not very big. Okay, now add on top of that the editing time. Add on top of that the time that we have to equalize the audio. Add to that the time to upload it to the place um, where it's hosted. Then to post it to all of the social medias, to post it onto SoundCloud, to post it onto the website, to copy and paste all the text that we've put into the Libsyn onto the website, to make sure all the links work. Now add the time that we, on top of that, that we're supposed to be promoting. And now you're not looking at an hour and 15 minutes a week. You're looking at like 10 hours a week. Sure. And I equate it to about two days, so that makes sense. The back end is huge on these things that people don't realize. And... That's where it becomes hard for creators, and I, this is this is why um, a lot of successful people have you know like personal assistants. They have marketing. They have PR people, because those people have one job. Mm-hmm. You know, if your job is to sell this product, well, then it's not hard to get creative on it because you're not. That's the focus of all of your creativity is on that one product. Sure. But when you're spreading that creativity, and that's my problem, is I'm spreading my creativity through so many things that there is literally a point where it's like I've used all of my ideas. You know, like I wanted, I, I had said earlier um, this month that I wanted to start blogging more, B-L-O-G, not V-L-O-G, um, writing basically on my website more. And I sat down and I, I just kind of, I did a little bit of a crowdsourcing. I asked people on Facebook, what would you like to see me write about? And because I couldn't think of anything. I'm like, uh, I talk about this on the podcast. I talk about this in the vlog. I do this here. Uh, what's left? And, you know, some people were like, oh, I'd love to I'd love to hear you talk about music. And I was like, I would love to do that, except that I don't have time to listen to music, so I don't know what music I'd be talking about. And another person, you know, made another suggestion. It's like, I, I don't do that anymore either, so I can't write about that either. And it's, it's just like a certain point where, you know, it's like, I think that's why um, for people who don't know, before the podcast, before the vlog, I was just doing kind of like little chatty stuff on Snapchat, like longer stories, talking about books and stuff like that. Um, and then once I started vlogging, like I drop Snapchat like a bad habit. Sure. Uh, and why? Because, dude, when you're working really hard to say everything you need to say to a camera all day. When you pick up that phone, what's left to say? Sure. And and I think that that's the difficult level that I've reached right now and that I'm learning something now is what do you do when you don't have any ideas left because you've used all the ones you have? Sure. And it's interesting to be at the point where I'm at the point where it actually what I'm saying is actually true. And I look at all the times in my life that I've said the same thing, um, but then it wasn't actually true because I wasn't actually trying then. I wasn't actually pushing. 
And now that I actually am and I've reached that actual point, it's interesting to be like, oh, so this is the thing that I thought I was always at. This mm-hmm. is the point where I always thought I was. And wow, this is nothing like those. Well, I mean, then, then you know, I, I guess as, as, as an interesting way to, to finalize this, this podcast, like what, what do you do then? You know, what, what do you do when, when all the coffers are empty and the gas tanks, the gas tank, gas tank's been depleted and you're standing there staring at, 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 at a road that you still have to go down, but you just don't have anything left to go down it? What do you do? Well, I think that's not the situation that I'm necessarily in. I, I'm, I've got enough fuel to keep the things that I have going, going. I just can't add any more. Um, so I guess when there's things that need to be done that I don't have the fuel to do, I start finding a way to make money so that I can hire somebody to do those for me. And that's exactly where I was trying to, to, to head you towards. <laughs> because Crystal, for example, with the business, has gotten so successful now that she spends 8 to 10, sometimes even 12 hours a day of her life, 7 days a week, you know, doing maintenance and fulfilling orders and, and, and taking care of the website and, and, and doing all the backend stuff. And at this point, she's reached critical mass. And the only way that the business itself can evolve past where it is, is if she starts finding help. And I think that one of the key things that, that we always talk about, you know, is, is trying to, to do all of this yourself. Um, but I feel like a lesson that, you know, you're, you're eventually going to learn, I'm learning right now, and Crystal's already learning right now, is that at some point, you need to find help and you need to find help from people you can trust, um, whose opinions you value, and whose 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 dedication to your cause is as strong as your own personal dedication to it. Right. I wish. I mean, in all honesty, I wish we were at a point where what you and I do to promote the show doesn't mean anything because the listeners are promoting it so much for us that word of mouth is spreading. Sure. But we're not at that point. I mean, as far as what other people are saying, is it's silence. Um, so it's still on us and that's okay. We're still at an early stage. That's to be expected. Um, and I'd also love that if we were at a point where we had, you know, whatever Patreon supporters or, um, whatever, where we could afford, you know, like, Hey, here's a social media intern and we're going to pay them well. And they're going to, they're going to help us. We're going to help them. And, but we're at neither of those stages and it's, it's, it's a tough, this is, there are a lot of places where creative people get that they give up. And they give up early. Um, they give up because they think that they've reached a, a block. I don't think we're at a block, but I do think that we're at one of those stages where most people would throw in the towel. I agree. We're not throwing in the towel, by the way. Oh, of course not. But Mostly I, I, because we're jerks, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're so, we're both so stubborn as individuals that I don't think, you know, um, I, I don't think we're just capable of stopping even if it is something that we should both stop we probably won't anyway because that's who we are you know and i think the hardest thing is when it comes to promotion and being at this point where it's like wow how do we do this um it can come across to other people that we don't care enough to promote and that it has nothing to do with care it's just wow there is a monstrous level of a monstrous amount of effort required to get to that next level of energy for both of us and time that it's 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 daunting and it's easy to i mean every day that i put out a vlog i'm supposed to you know they say oh you're so you you want to get um good views make sure that every post you put up when you post it to facebook or whatever you say something original and that makes people want to listen to it 
or watch it, dude, <laughs> that does not always happen. When you've just finished editing a video and you've gone through the upload process and then you've sat and written the description and then you've put all the tags in and you've done all of the back end stuff and then you hit that little button and a share to Facebook. Some days all you have the energy for is today's episode semicolon <laughs> or colon. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and that's to people looking at it, it's like, oh, he doesn't care about this. Why should I? Yeah, I can understand that, but I really don't have anything to say when I do that. I'm just spent, and I have to accept that sometimes those shortcomings are my own. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like on some level too, it's it's you know it's what you said earlier that people because I've gotten that too. You know, like do you guys just not care to promote or anything like that. It's like no, we we have entire lives that we have to live you know we have to this this podcast doesn't pay either of our bills so in 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 the interim like i mean it's it's shocking that we still have the dedication to even do the podcast despite how difficult it is for us to find chunks of time that line up you know so it's it you know that in and of itself is a testament to to our friendship and and the care that we have for the podcast and you know it, it's funny because i think that that one day we'll both just get to a point where it's easier for us to do it or we'll be able to logistically afford help. And I think that with a lot of this stuff, it's just about sheer willpower. You know, it's just about you and I continuing to do it because it's something that we want to succeed eventually. Even though at this point, we have no idea how we're going to pull that off. You know, we don't know where our, our, our new listeners are going to come from or how we're going to acquire new ones or anything like that. But we care enough to continue doing this. And I think that that ultimately is the thing that sticks with me, the thing that 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 defines what this podcast podcast is to me. And I, at least on some or to some extent, I think to you as well, you know. Right. Our marketing plan is consistency. Yeah, that's yeah, our marketing for now. plan. Yeah, and for now, that that what it has to be because consistency is consistency is is the best that we have for each other and the best that we have for the podcast right now. And the reason that we're talking about all this to you guys right now is because it latches on to exactly what we were talking about before. I want you guys to understand that when I'm telling you guys keep pushing, keep doing those things. All I'm not standing from a place of you know I'm not in an ivory tower looking down at the burning embers of the world. We're in the same muck and the same mud as everybody else. We have the same struggles. We're in the midst of it every day. So it's important for us, not just Lamb and I, but all of us, it's important for us to support each other, to push each other, to tell each other to keep pushing. Because sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes all it takes is, I don't want to record the podcast this week. I'm exhausted. And boom, comment from somebody on Twitter or on Facebook. Last episode was awesome. Sweet. Those little tiny words, you just gave me enough push to do the next episode. And that's what I want to do for you guys, too, is I want you guys to go out there and create stuff. And beyond that, too, I think it's it's really important to, to push people, you know, to tell an artist that you like their work or, you know, even for a guy like, for, for a guy like me, like I, to hear Drew, a person who I respect so much as an artist, you know, tell me specific things about, you know, what Chad and I have talked about. It wasn't some kind of obligatory interest that a friend might have. It was a genuine interest in the things we talked about and, and, and how we, 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 we analyze things. And, and that to me was, 
despite how hard that day was for me, it was such an uplifting conversation that it 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 defined to me once and for all, um, or at least it, it set in my mind that there was no option. I was going to do this podcast, regardless of what other things, what other obstacles I had in my way, I was going to do it because it meant that much to somebody else. And that's what's important. And remember, guys, creation is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy because you're bringing something into the world. (laughs) 